0: These, uh modality modalities that we use to understand ourselves better it's it's sometimes a disguise <laughs> for just another box you know so I'm always really careful not to do that with people um, and to help them understand that really this is just a, a living breathing system astrology is that we can work with to aid our evolution to work with the energies. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is
1: a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Today's episode is with the beautiful Ali Ofstedal. She's an intuitive, a quantum healer, an evolutionary astrologer, and a mentor. And I'm so grateful to have her here today. Welcome, welcome, sister. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's
0: wonderful to be here.
1: Yeah. Ali and I are Instagram friends. That's how we found each other and are connected. (laughs) Yes, the magical world of Instagram. I know. It's wild. It seems like slightly off topic, but not really. Let's go in that direction first. What What has been the gifts of Instagram for you and social media, and what have been some of
0: the challenges or the cons? Mm, I love that question. I grew up in a really small little farm town in um, in Illinois, and then was living in St. Louis when I really started sort of opening, basically. And it felt really uh, isolating. You know, I felt really alone in much of my life. You know, it just kind of felt. A little bit different, and felt like I couldn't fully and deeply connect with people. So, I would say the greatest gift that I've received through Instagram has been just connection with others, with practitioners, with ideas. You know, um, the learning that's come through uh, because it's been yeah, it's been incredible to to have some sort of connection through through my awakening process because it you know I just didn't have that in my in my sort of like unit when I was growing up and and when I was developing so uh, mm. I remember it was I think it was through Instagram i I first started learning about you know my intuition and um shamanic work and just these different modalities that I now that are now such a big part of my life and um even astrology you know I kind of learned through Instagram first and so it's um yeah it's been a gift in that way and of course it it it's it's healthy to use in balance but um but i've received a lot of gifts so i'm i'm grateful for that mm.
1: it's yeah. wild huh like it's the source of so much awakening and education and so much sleepness but i guess that's just like life like we can use life in the virtual world or life in the real world as a source of awakening or as a source of sleepness you touch on something mm-hmm. that i feel is really uh a- A shared experience it's interesting because I literally wrote a post this morning about sisterhood I did a reel and Mm -hmm. in that post I said when I was first um I would say embodying my awakening because I don't know if I had like a point where I was like oh reality is different than how I thought I kind of had that since I was little but it was like the first time I actually started living into those values of awakening that I started to feel super isolated I felt like all of my friends were disappearing. I was like, "Where is it? where are all my friends? I lost yeah. you know, my relationship at the time, de- like degraded and turned to nothing. And so hearing you talk about that, that you kind of felt um, isolated and, and different um, even your whole life, I think perhaps a lot of people listening um, can resonate with that. And I'm curious, yeah. what did you learn through that process of feeling different throughout your lifetime?
0: Yeah, that is you know that's something i work with a lot of people on a lot of clients because it seems that the women i work with have similar experiences of just feeling um feeling a bit different feeling like and oftentimes feeling like even though you have a lot of friends those connections are sort of shallow and you can't access the full depth of those deep of those connections and the full um even the full capacity of of feeling and experiencing within them, um, and not just friendships, but you know all relationships really. So I kind of felt like that throughout my life. I felt like I was um, there was something missing always, you know. And then mm. I felt I felt like there was something wrong with me because I, uh, you know, maybe wasn't either quote unquote satisfied with living the life that other people were, and I was always kind of pushing the boundaries. And I was so curious about, you know, things outside of the box that I had, you know, been born into essentially, you know, and um, although where I grew up was such a wonderful place to grow up and there was, there were so many benefits to, to it as well. It, um, you know, I just think and through my evolution, I realized that I, I was a bit different, you know, and, and it's what's, driven me I think in a lot of ways to push those walls of familiarity which is I think such a big part of evolution in this life you know is really pushing up against those walls which can be confining in a lot of ways mm. yeah. yeah you
1: use the word evolution a lot in yeah. that and I think that it's a powerful kind of segue into asking what would you say the difference is between astrology and I know you practice evolutionarily evolutionary astrology so is there like what would be the biggest distinctions for people listening how could they spot the difference
0: yeah absolutely I love that uh evolutionary astrology really focuses on the evolution of the soul and so there's a lot of emphasis on the nodes and on different placements that kind of give orientation within this life help you orient and um and really understand why you came here you know so I really focus a lot on that in the sessions not just you know um sometimes astrology depending on who's who's working with it it can feel almost like a box you know in and of itself because mm. it's there's a little rigidity i think to any of these these uh modality modalities that we use um to understand ourselves better it's it's sometimes a disguise for just another box, you know? So I'm always really careful not to do that with people um, and to help them understand that really this is just a a living, breathing system, astrology is, that we can work with to aid our evolution, to work with the energy. So um, Mm. it's kind of like a roadmap, you know? And we have the choice to work with that roadmap or work against it and either way we'll receive what we need to but sometimes it can be a little bit easier if we're if we're in flow you know so yes
1: yeah I love that you mentioned mentioned that I think a lot of practitioners don't acknowledge that um, it can be another form of limitation so I think it's really Mm -hmm. beautiful that you shine a light on that Um, I think it makes makes you trustworthy at least to me that makes someone more trustworthy <laughs> when they when they're willing to like acknowledge you know what i mean like when they're willing yeah. to be like you know by the way here's a pitfall of this work or here's where you can get stuck i i really yeah. appreciate that so thank you for yeah, that and of course you mentioned the kind of higher importance perhaps on things like nodes mm-hmm. um can you explain a little more about like what is a north node what is a south node what does that
0: mean in your chart yeah, yeah, I love that question. I I do transition work and evolution work with women, so I guide them through you know uh, change portals or um, life transitions or you know big big portals of change essentially um, like a breakup or a divorce or you know changing career things like that. And so the nodes are something I really like to to look at, especially within that. Um, I don't know, like 27, 26, 27 through 38, late 30s, because there's this really juicy period of time. It's not just the Saturn return, but it's a time where we start to acknowledge our own conditioning, and how it has influenced our innate wiring, you know, our soul blueprint. So when we look at our soul blueprint, it's very pure, you know, and it has very clear um, outlines of what we're really meant to do in this life, what we're here to heal, what we're here to learn. Um, and then we have the The conditioning that we receive, you know, on top of it, that can kind of um, confuse that a little bit, or it can shadow some of the things that we're um, that we were very closely connected with, you know, when we were first born. So, the nodes are a really beautiful um, key part of that learning because it it's it's in in many ways sort of like a north star. You know, if we look at the north node and the south node, um, each one of us has. And a, um, a natal node, north node, and a natal south node. And then we have the transiting nodes, which are changing all the time. And so when I talk about uh, eclipses and the node, the nodal axis that we're working with now, I'm talking about Scorpio and, and Taurus, which is where the nodes are currently, um, which mm. affects each one of us differently because our charts are all different. But we each also have a natal north node and a natal south node. And those are beautiful tools to really help us realign in this life. And when I say realign, I mean come back to our innate wiring, come back to our center point, um, working through the layers of trauma or whatever it is that's holding us out of alignment um, and coming back to our center point, our power, our flow, our regulation, <laughs> all of that. And so when we work with the nodes, um they're very evolutionary in nature because the south node deals with um, kind of like our our karma, where we've been. It's it is in many ways our default system. It's what we fall back into when we're not conscious of it, um, and it very much so represents the the subconscious too, because it's sort of those patterns that we've um, that have been conditioned to run and project our reality essentially. And then the north node is um, really our north star, but it's not our comfort zone. It's not where we innately drop into. So it's, um, for example, I'm a Virgo south node, which means I can easily drop into this sort of anxious, rigid um, control phase or mode because it's, it's something I'm, I'm familiar with. But through my Saturn return and through, you know, my my growth and evolution, I've realized when I feel that kick on, that like desire and need to control, um, which of course is is a result of childhood trauma, I know I need to lean more into my Pisces, which is very ethereal. It's, it's artistic. It's creative. It's flowing, you know, and it has mm. deep trust and faith in a higher power. Mm. And so um, – I can always feel when I need to realign, realign those, and and really, there's medicine in both the south and the north node, you know.
1: And is that how they work? Like they're kind of opposing your your mm-hmm. south node. They that's right. I think my north node is Capricorn. Does that mean my south node is Cancer?
0: Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, right. What does so- that mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great
0: question. So when we have our, – our south node is always directly opposite our north node. And the south mm. node, like I said, is our comfort zone. So it's what we default and drop into. And so knowing mm. that your south node is cancer, it means that you default to a more mothering role you know, to, and if we look at, and oftentimes with our self note, it represents the, sh- the shadow of that sign, you know, um, and oh, we're totally. aware of the shadow. That totally dovetails with my
1: trauma. <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah. And it's so funny because I, and I'm sure you find this in your work, I tend to attract you know, women are all different and our trauma is all different and our blueprints are all different, but Mm -hmm. I tend to attract women who often work with that patterning of disconnecting from our own needs in order to survive our environmental failures, our childhood traumas. But then of course we get to become an adult and you can't have healthy, successful, thriving relationships if you're disconnected from your own needs. That's the shadow of the mother, right? Like give and give and give. Um, or, you know, for me, it's less of like, Underbounded, it shows up more as like um Brene brown says people are listening for me says before like i don't need help i am the help and lord has yeah. life ripped that from me in the most spectacular way thank you <laughs> <laughs> exactly so what does it look like to lean into the capricorn side of that because i don't really yeah. know much about capricorn
0: like what is yeah. that energy that's a beautiful question and, and you're exactly right and i think that's a lot of what we as feminine are shifting and we're essentially rewiring the whole mother archetype, you know, because there's Mm. the shadow of it has really controlled a lot of the ways in which we've, you know, been in our power, you know, for centuries, honestly. And it is that sort of um, martyr, you know, of, of giving, um, before receiving and and not having not valuing our own needs, so knowing mm-hmm. that, that that shadow that that which is influenced by your trauma um, is is held in kind of the default, uh, the medicine for it would be leaning into the highest expression of Capricorn, which is you know um, a little bit more of the masculine. So tending to your own needs, um, Cancer represents the mother. The feminine and Capricorn represents the masculine, the father, and so mm. it's very Saturn oriented. You know, so thinking about Saturn, the planet, it's it's rules and and boundaries, and it has structure. And so, if you lived in it in a home growing up where there were it, there was a lot of meshment, you know, and there was a lack of boundaries, and um, there wasn't a lot of clarity, you know, on energetic and emotional boundaries, then. It's something as – like as we grow into our adult selves with a Capricorn North Node, you have to sort of teach yourself, reparent yourself in that way to learn – What does a healthy boundary look like? How can I tend to my own needs before tending to others? It's sort of like putting on your own, you know, oxygen oxygen mask before tending to, you know, to other people. So it makes a lot of sense. That would be the work that you're doing. You know, and depending on where that lands in your chart, it would tell us to how it would express itself most in your life. So yeah, it's so fun to to play around. You can sort of go in like layers, you know, with astrology. It's like, okay, we'll start here, but let's go deeper into it and let's see where it lands in your chart. And yeah, so, yes. yeah. That's really fun for everyone
1: listening. Maybe you can go and have a look now if you don't know where is your south node, um, natal node, I believe you said, where is your north natal node? That's yeah. And like seeing how that represents karma to dharma. It sounds like alignment. Mm, exactly. It's kind of like patterning. Um, really interesting. Yeah. You were talking a lot about the mother archetype.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I
1: love archetypes. Anyone listening knows <laughs> we dive into this? Let's talk more about that. How has that shown up for you in your life? Have you noticed that mother archetype in you? Where has there been shadow? And I know you were speaking about this like collective awakening Mm. or this collective shift that we're through and that we're going through. And like, yeah, for sure, being socialized as women that our service, our ability to take care of is like... Mm -hmm the only thing essentially of value like we've been conditioned this lie that that's really our only place in society and of course we've started to wake up out of that but there's still a legacy existing in us and I'm curious um, how has that played out for you and what has been the most important thing for you in healing your relationship to that mother archetype within
0: yeah I love that I I'm so passionate about women's work and I think there's so many different Avenues and modalities that are helping us shift, because that's really what I think this whole global shift is about. This um, quantum leap in human evolution that we're in, which is why things feel so intense. You know, is <laughs> is that we're being asked to uh, dive deep into our core layers and our, our core wounds and our traumas. And um, one of that that collective trauma of the mother archetype is something that we are rebirthing right now as women which is why there's a huge gap I think in in relational work even with with men and women because there's you know we've been at it for centuries you know and and so when we look at even the feminist movement um, up until this point it's been more of the masculine you know it's been more of that um, driven almost like Capricorn energy you know where we've had to sort of pull ourselves more into the masculine in order to break some of these walls and barriers that needed to be break until we could, broken until we could open into this more soft mothering work, which is so huge. Mm-hmm. And um, working with women, I notice a lot of our rupture is in the maiden to mother threshold, you know. And sometimes there's women who don't even get an opportunity to evolve past that maiden because, you know, because of so much trauma held within their, within their bodies and within their history and even their ancestry. And so when we look at that, um, I think that the deepest work is, is that crossing right now, the maiden to mother and moving from that sort of, um, disconnected, uh, Maiden needing to be saved, but also being thrust into motherhood so quickly, not having the proper rites of passage or um, threshold crossing tools to to fully embody a healthy mother archetype. Which is, uh, I always think of the mama bear. You know, it's like she takes time to rest. She knows how to protect her babies. She knows how to take care of herself. She knows how to to feed herself. All the things, but she's <laughs> fierce at the same time. You know, and so. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 really fascinating working with women and seeing how um, that fine balance between um, being a sovereign, independent woman and also a mother at the same time. And I think that that, that balancing, um, not just even a physical mother, but a mother to ourselves, a mother to the world, you know, is where um, a lot of us can do the work even before we have children, you know. And so I work with a lot of women even prior to motherhood on um, doing that rewiring work and, and reparenting work to come back to their center and their power and reparent those parts that really didn't receive what they needed to, you know, at the time and can now be, you know, fully, fully um, dependent on our adult selves, you know, our higher selves and our highest expression. So it's mm-hmm. fascinating work.
1: What was that crossing like for you you're talking about this crossing yeah. from maiden to mother what was that like for you
0: yeah it's well in many ways I think that it's it's an evolving journey all the time you know so um and there's layers to it but uh I was yeah it, it was a really challenging crossing for me and I I have um a Scorpio I'm a Scorpio rising. And so I have Pluto in my first house. And, and that's something cool to talk about as well as a Pluto and Scorpio generation, which is what's um, maturing now and, and where we're at and why we're doing so much of the deep healing and trauma work and ancestral work right now because it's so needed for the world. But um, I knew I, I came here to to work with those deep layers. And um, it really activated around 27 me, And I went into this sort of – it was just such an an eye-opening awakening that I had when I was traveling and I realized my life was a life that I didn't recognize. I I didn't know how I got into my marriage (laughs) that I was in at the time. I didn't know how I, you know, had formed this life that was so foreign to me. And so I really had to start doing some of this deep work and I realized a lot of the ways in which I was raised – um, sort of kept me tethered to those those maiden principles of feeling um, disempowered, of feeling tethered and tied to um, to uh, authority outside of myself. My power was all externalized, and it was it was a bit of a bumpy road. <laughs> Honestly, I, I <laughs> went through a big divorce. I kind of blew up my life in a lot of ways. It was sort of that, that wild woman archetype of just blowing up my life and, and, um, traveling for, for years and needing to, to really find, you know, my, my deep healing through my own compass, because now that's the work I do with women, because I realized that that initiation work is so lacking in our world and in our, especially our Western culture, we don't have the, the rites of passage like you know women did in all cultures essentially that we originate from, not just indigenous cultures of, of this country, but all of our indigenous cultures you know, throughout the world. So um, I had to kind of create my own rites of passage. And um, now that's the work I do with women because I realize that threshold crossing can be so challenging and can be longer than it needs to be if you don't have someone to help you orient in that space. So, yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. I love the word initiation. What do you feel are yeah. some of those initiations that you led yourself through that created this kind of growth that you get to experience today?
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, my divorce was a big one for sure, because I was um, in a very sort of comfortable place. You know, I, I didn't have to really do much or um, challenge myself. It was just sort of, yeah, it was safe, you know, not Actually safe, you know, but Mm -hmm. safe Um, as in familiar. Yeah. And the walls were right there and I could feel them and I knew they were there. And for someone who had, um, you know, childhood trauma that created a lot of, you know, dis-ease and um, a lot of insecurity in my body and in my system growing up, it was nice to finally land in something that was very predictable and very safe and familiar and but what i realized is that it wasn't serving you know and it and it wasn't it wasn't my true soul's desire and journey to be within that relationship forever so um leaving that was like jumping off of a cliff and not knowing where i would land you know it was like jumping into the unknown and and that in and of itself was an initiation because it was me trusting something that i had never even tuned into before you know my own intuition um, and yes. it was, yeah, it was a bit rocky, but it was definitely, um, an incredibly powerful initiation in, in trust and faith and in surrender, which is such a big part of being in an initiation as well, you know? So, and that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, um, I was 27, I guess when that happened. So it was, it was a big one. Yeah.
1: I love something you said. You said it was safe, but it wasn't serving. And I think yeah. that's such an important distinction because – and it's an important part of evolution, right? Like if we come from developmental trauma, uh, you know, the impacts of our childhoods and the environmental failures, it's actually a really beautiful sign of evolution to be able to choose a safe partnership. Yeah. And then what you're highlighting that's such a and an also important relational piece is to then – not only be able to choose, attract, and have a nervous system that's comfortable in safety, which is a big part of healing work, right? Yeah. Healing de- developmental trauma, relational trauma, so that we can actually feel accustomed to safety. A lot of our nervous systems, if we've grown up in traumatic environments, trip up with securely attached people. We're like, huh, (laughs) what is this? (laughs) This is foreign. So (laughs) being able to have that, that is really cool. But I I think that distinction is so important is that And sometimes it happens in the same relationship, you know, like we, we realize it's safe, but not serving. And we go through that transformational work together to, to create a relationship that is also aligned with Dharma and our path and our purpose. But I just thought I wanted to like pull that thread because I thought that was a really beautiful and important piece. And I'm curious for those listening to kind of inquire with themselves um, and celebrate what is safe in my life. Let's celebrate yeah. that, hallelujah. <laughs> but also, is there things in my life that are safe Um, but not serving this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to pull on that. So beautiful. You mentioned we're in, um, scorpionic uh, time. I'm a Scorpio. I have my, my sun is in Scorpio and Mars is in Scorpio when people read my charts and and I'm not like a, an astrology. I don't know much about it. I like it. enjoy it. Um, but people look at my chart, they're like, damn, you're like real Scorpio. They, they're about the placements exactly. or I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm always curious. Scorpio gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. It can, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like, why, what do you mean when you say this, this age or like, there's a, a Scorpionic time, like, what does that mean? And, and a little bit yeah. about that energy.
0: Yeah. I love that because it's, um, being someone who who studies evolution and and looks at you know our journey through this life and also this specific incarnation for all of us, uh, I am fascinated by to see the trajectory and and how we've gotten to this place and why things are unfolding in the way they are, um, especially you know for sp- people specifically individually, uh, and so. Anyone born between 1984 and 1995 has a Pluto in Scorpio, and Pluto is a really oh, slow cool. planet. When was so your so my Pluto your... is in
1: Scorpio too. Okay, '91.
0: Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. So, so which means you're very Scorpionic because Pluto, <laughs> Pluto, yeah, exactly. If, if we look at Pluto and Mars, are both really happy in Scorpio. And you have both your Pluto and Mars in Scorpio with your sun as well, which means it's it's there's a huge scorpionic influence in your chart, theme in your chart, evolutionary-wise. Mm. So um, and what do you know what your rising is? Pisces. Pisces. Oh, wow. Yeah, you have a lot of water in your chart. It's amazing. <laughs> um, it makes a lot of sense of, you know, why you do the work that you do too. So when we look at Scorpio in particular, it is – I I always see that sign as um, healing of trauma, Uh, surrendering Mm. into the cycle of (laughs) – yeah, right? The cycle of of death and rebirth, the cycles of life Mm -hmm. that are inevitable. And so when you have a lot of Scorpio in your chart, it means that you'll typically navigate a lot of beginnings and endings and you'll really embody and – um, master the cycles of life that in embracing the death as much as the rebirth, you know like mm-hmm. really really honing into both of those all aspects of the cycles and um mm-hmm. right now in particular w- wherever our Pluto placement is, typically that generation so Pluto takes about eleven years to go through a sign and it's um it's slow so when we look at Pluto placements, they're generational so when we look at the Pluto and Scorpio generation, our role is to heal trauma, specifically generational mm. trauma, um, because what we're doing now as humans is we're we're evolving and we're healing specifically the physical body um, and elevating it so we can elevate and meet our consciousness and where it's, where it's moving. So there's kind of this, um, specifically somatics. That's why it's so, that's such powerful work, um, right now, but Mm. you know, forever is because our, the density of our systems are, are kind of archaic in a lot of ways. Although our nervous system is brilliant and is, and does exactly what it should be. Our world is much different now. So when we look at Pluto and Scorpio, we're looking at, um, Game changers. Like, we're the generation to take this healing work from, you know, just talk therapy to deeper. Like, how can we get to the root of these traumas, of these core wounds, of the things that really run and um, create our reality, rather than just kind of existing at the surface and just talking about things and just looping through things? Um, Pluto and Libra likes – it's relational work, but it likes to talk and intellectualize. Scorpio is felt, and so it dives deep to the surface. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say Pluto and Scorpio. And um, when we're talking about Scorpio right now in particular, we're talking about um, the nodes which are in Scorpio and Taurus. They're both – they're along that axis. And so Mm. our eclipses have been in Scorpio and Taurus um and that's my all my moon about. is
1: Taurus. That sounds like oh it was intense to me.
0: <laughs> really? It's you're yeah, you're in a you're in a big initiation, you know, right now. And and thinking about that, it's um yeah, Taurus, Taurus likes safety. It likes security, it's more conservative, it likes the comforts of home, it likes to know what's happening tomorrow, next week, next month. Um, and Scorpio just in its highest expression at least, really just surrenders to the evolution. You know, it surrenders mm. to that death and rebirth cycle, and it its evolutionary purpose is to create change. Really, so mm. when we look at the nodes on these two axes, the North node in Taurus, the South node in Scorpio, it's shedding traumas, generational trauma. Um, it's shedding uh, the shadow of even the spiritual community of of spirituality, of the guru, of all of mm. these. That's why we're seeing a lot. I mean, I could talk about this for like way too long. So I can go down a We a got avenue. time, honey. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to see how it's unfolding, but it's taking all of us to our deepest layers to um mm-hmm. these you know some of our most um long-held traumas, you know, and it's asking for us to sit with that and to reparent in a way that we can create that home within ourself, not external systems necessarily, um, but within ourself, you know, so that's, mm. that's our role as Pluto and Scorpio. Mm. And we come to our kind of our maturation with that, with our Pluto placement in our mid thirties, you know, so we're, mm. we're all working towards that and kind of coming into, into that realm, which is, is essentially our, our evolutionary, you know, service to humanity. So it's pretty fascinating. Mm work
1: sex death and rebirth that does not sound <laughs> anything like me at all guys does it so inaccurate yeah, i love <laughs> I, it i love this so much isn't this fun y'all this is why i was so excited to have you on i was like mm-hmm. we need to do and and when i um found you on Instagram and I think it was a video where you were talking and I was like wow I just felt um the intelligence the connectivity of your channel and Mm -hmm. the sincerity there and I was so uh appreciative and magnetized to that because um I really believe in this work and I'm so fascinated by it but I mean it's like any work even in in my um, realm of this work as well there's it's a lot of charlatans. Let's be real. <laughs> so so many. I just really appreciate when I feel the sincerity in someone. I'm like, oh, my God, I keep you. <laughs> so thank, <laughs> thank you for being you. on. Um, I would love to do like a, a little whistle stop tour around all the signs. I'm just having so much fun hearing you talk about this. Like, could you, I don't know if you um, follow a woman called Brooke Solis. I think I'm getting that right. S-O-L-I-S yes but she does like these interesting um I think you'd really enjoy her work actually but she does these interesting write-ups on uh she like writes poetry dedicated to Scorpio dedicated to to Taurus, like all of them and obviously I'm not asking you to do a freestyle rap or anything unless you want to of course (laughs) but (laughs) more like what I really like about them is just she's just giving like the flavor of like Mm -hmm. what is that the flavor of that, uh, sign. And I find that really helpful in understanding the people in my life who are those signs. Um, and I'm curious if you could just say a few words about what is your interpretation of, of each sign? How does that feel to you? What's the flavor
0: to you? Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And, Something to note as well: We're so much more than our Earth sign, you know, or our Sun sign. Sorry, and we all have all of the signs within us. So that's something I like mm-hmm. to note because some people are are like, "Well, I don't have any Taurus," and I'm like, "No, you do. You might not have a planetary placement there, but you have it within you. You know, it's your it's part of the full spectrum." Um, mm-hmm. So we always start with Aries. It's it's the first sign of the zodiac. It's it's kind of like the Big Bang. It's it's creation. It's um, mm-hmm in i'll kind of do like a shadow and a high expression of it maybe if that's Ooh, good. i love that yeah. yes okay cool so the shadow of areas is that it can be um reactive or um uh gosh i always have a problem with recall so i can't think of the word i'm wanting to but it can be reactive and, and it can be like that warrior charging into battle um mm-hmm. it might be someone who has you know uh a temper or like asserts himself too much, um, but in the highest expression, it's it is assertive. You know, it, it takes action, it creates because it's it's almost like the baby of the zodiac in a lot of ways. So wherever you have Aries, you have um, the ability to create and to move and to groove, which is nice and helpful for all of us. Um, and then next we have Taurus, which we've talked a little bit about, but Taurus is it's it moves a little bit slower it likes um planning it's it likes to have a 401k you know it likes to know what's coming. <laughs> a little bit more conservative in nature it likes to be home it likes to have soft nice things um in its shadow it can be stubborn because it's a deeply rooted oak tree so you think of those deep roots it doesn't really want to pull up those roots it wants to stay put um and in its highest expression it is that it's it's dependable it is um uh it's sacred in a lot of ways, you know? It's grounded. Mm. Um, mm. and then we move into Gemini, and Gemini is always a fun sign. And is one of the signs that gets a bad rap too, like Scorpio. But I think yes. why that is, is because when Gemini is in its shadow, you know. When Scorpio is in its shadow, you know. It's just more obvious. <laughs> Honey, you, know? you see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are like, why do Scorpios get a bad rap? Or Gemini? And I'm like, because it's it's more obvious, you know, usually. And that's of course just, you know, part of your personality because we have so much happening and going on. But Gemini is is social and talkative and it's it's um really here to spread information you know so we look at oh. we, yeah we look at gemini in our charts and it's where we have the ability to communicate and to speak and to spread information um and it's shadow it can be it's the twins so it can be split and it can be unpredictable and maybe um mm. maybe a too flighty or maybe mm. too too careless you know in certain ways mm. um but in its highest expression it's a good communicator it can be um It can be really powerful in spreading information and in leading in that way. Um, And then we move into Cancer, which is a beautiful sign as well. And Cancer is the mother archetype. It it connects with the moon. Um, Gemini connects with Mercury, Taurus. Um, And so when we look at Cancer in particular, it's soft and it's um, emotional, And it has this emotional spectrum and access to it in ways that other signs don't, Um, and it's really here to teach us about mothering ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And in it, but in in its um, shadow, it can be, um, you know, it can put the needs of others before itself. It can shell up. Um, It can be withdrawn or or overly emotional. You know, not having that emotional um, maturity. Uh, but in its highest expression it's it's fiercely loving and it's um deeply em- empathic and um just the mother you know which which you know if you have a cancer friend it's like that person when they hug you you're just like oh I'm, I'm gonna be okay you know mm-hmm. yeah and then when we move to leo leo is it, it also represents the heart and it's courageous and passionate and um you know likes to be seen and heard and it's it's Leadership in a lot of ways. And so, but in its shadow, it can be so obsessed with being seen and being heard that it can drop into that, you know, inauthentic expression. Um, In its highest expression, uh, it can be such a courageous leader and such a bright um, star in the sky for all of us to learn how to open our own hearts and to lead with love in many ways. Um, And then we go into Virgo, which is. A beautiful it's the embodiment of the virgin of the goddess and um it's it's i always say that virgos are kind of like the the accountant of the zodiac in that they, <laughs> they they like to know where things are and they like to keep track and they're sort of organized but in the shadow that can be very rigid and very mm-hmm. um unforgiving in some ways you know and controlling which I think Virgo is a good sign to see where our, um, you know, childhood trauma, or, you know, around safety is, because you'll often see a, a need for control, and wherever it lands in people's charts. So very interesting, and in its highest expression, it's um it is very organized. It's very grounded. It's very clear, and has uses really beautiful discernment that we all could use and need, um, especially in this world we live in now. Uh, and Libra, which I'm a Libra, so I understand this. Sign. I was curious
1: what you are. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you're a Libra. Yeah, I'm a Libra, <laughs>
0: and um, Libra is. The nervous system of the zodiac, and it's constantly taking in data and information externally, and it's balancing it. So mm. yeah, so Libra's a, it's it's has um, a focus on external balance. So that's why Libras love aesthetics and beauty and and nature because we can acknowledge Mm -hmm. and see that in the external realm, which brings peace to our internal realm. Um, The Mm -hmm. shadow of Libra is that it's taking in so much information all the time that it can be indecisive and it can sort of be flighty or even codependent in some ways because it's it would rather not disrupt the balance <laughs> and would rather just, you know, go with with what's working. Um and in the highest expression it is, it's it's um it's a regulated nervous system, you know, when it's in its highest expression, it's it's um comforting and it's co-regulation and things like that that feel really good. Um and then we move into Scorpio which is uh we've talked a little bit about but Scorpio is its evolutionary pur- purpose is to bring change and so it's it's goes so deep and it goes as deep as it needs to to bring the change and healing that we need you know in our own lives and in collectively as well and so Scorpio I think is I think is the most powerful sign in the zodiac but um in its shadow like I said it can be very, very intense. Um, <laughs> Scorpio tail that can sort of just whip out of nowhere, and it can be, um, it can be scary, truly, you know, in some ways. Um, but it's because that's it it so me sometimes, and no, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> exactly. because it has so much intensity and power behind it. Um, it can also it can also go into the Scorpio hole too and sort of um, detach or dissociate in order to to feel safe. Um, in its highest expression, it is the embodiment of the cycles of life. So it can it leans into that surrender and it it flows with ease through the cycles and through change. Um, and then we move into uh, Sagittarius, which is a really wonderful and fun fiery sign as well. And um, Sagittarius is is the the scholar, the um, the journeyer, the gypsy. it learns through um, experience. and so it's kind of the tra- the world traveler that collects information and then applies it to its teachings. And so in the, you know, in the lowest expression in the shadow of of um, Sagittarius, it can be a little bit dogmatic because it's like, well, I've been there and I've done that and I know everything, you know, <laughs> mm. because it really has been through a lot of different things, but it can get so focused on what they know that they can lose sight of what the bigger picture is. In um, the highest mm. expression, it's the higher mind, you know, so it's, it's um that sort of bridge between i always see sagittarius as like the bridge between science and spirituality in a way you know it's like mm-hmm. that the bridge of moving into where we're headed and you know as humans um and then we move into capricorn which is um the dad of the zodiac and is is so fascinating as well, and we're in Pluto and Capricorn now, so we've had a lot of Capricorn energy over the last few years. And Capricorn can be a bit—it's um, an Earth sign as well, but it can be a bit focused on itself and sort of rigid in its in its ways because it's so focused on change and and moving forward and completing. It's like it's it's um, like a goat climbing a mountain, and it always needs another mountain. (laughs) So, um, the shadow of Capricorn (laughs) sounds like
1: our (laughs) collective in a bit of way, right? Like, like the consumerism, I don't know if that's true, but that always needs another mountain to climb. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And Pluto, Pluto's dismantling the Capricorn right now. So, um, the, the toxic Capricorn in our, in our systems. Um, so things we're seeing that right now, we're seeing that exposed essentially. And, um, the shadow of that really is, like you said, it's it's sort of consumerism, it's capitalism. In its shadow, it's always needing more, something else. It's it's focusing strictly on the um, the reward or like the achievement, and not on the heart. The opposite of cancer, mm-hmm. you know, like the heart and the emotional realm. So in many ways, I think it can represent the toxic masculine, you know. Um, in its highest expression, it can get anything done, you know. And it's we need mm. that too, you know we need we need the balance of the masculine and feminine, but we need those beautiful structures and the parenting and the um, the boundary work and stuff like that. Um, and then we move into Aquarius, which is such a fascinating sign and kind of an enigma <laughs> as well. And um, my husband is Aquarius. Say more. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Yeah, Aquarius is is fascinating. It's um, if we look at if we look through the zodiac, it's the second last sign, so it's it's very evolved when it's in its highest expression. But um, it's very scientific and it can be emotionally detached because it's focusing on the higher perspective always. So a shadow can be that it's not as embodied. You know, it's not um, grounded in that way. So it's – if you think about like, you know, being in a a science lab under fluorescent lights and like only studying science forever, it's like you lose touch with nature, you lose touch with your body and things like that. So um, the, the emotional detachment or the sort of always needing to be um, breaking out of boxes can be a shadow of Aquarius, and its highest expression, it is the it is like the change maker. It's it's always breaking down the walls and barriers and structures that aren't serving us any longer. Um, and it's also very, it's very smart and intellectual and intelligent too, and it can see things other people can't. Um, mm. Yeah, and Pisces is is the last and sort of the most, I think one of the most fascinating signs because it's very ethereal and it's um, it's sort of the one consciousness and and the mysteries of life and um, beauty and. Um, creativity and art and it in its shadow it can be it feels so much that it can it can use like escapism or detachment or dissociation in order to feel safe because it's receiving so much information at the same like always you know so you even being a Pisces rising can probably feel that sometimes where there, there's so much coming in that it can be overwhelming. And um, sometimes mm-hmm. with Pisces, like, substance abuse or addict- addictive patterns are um, more common because there's just so Work much through overwhelm. through some of that in my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, if you think about yeah. hypersensitivity, it's, it's um, um, in a lot of ways a Piscean trait, you know. So um, – and then its highest expression, it's just – it's the embodiment of – Of one consciousness it's it's love and it's connection and it's feeling um the limitless you know love that we have available to us on this planet but it's kind of going from it's going from here to there really quickly so it can be hard to like fully embody that when we're living on this planet you know so Mm.
1: yeah yeah the beings who are like floaty and like you know i think that's why in my life and you know, speaking of being sensitive, I'm sure many people listening might identify with being a HSP, like highly sensitive person. Yeah. And I think we're not set up in a world for feelers and healers, and you know, those people that feel so deeply. And so, um, yeah, there's been a lot of studies done on HSPs. Like, uh, there is a lot of lot more substance abuse, a lot more um of those coping mechanisms. It's like the gift and the curse. It's interesting to feel that in like Piscean through the lens of the, of that kind of Almost archetype, or I guess it's an archetype. Would you call the star signs an archetype? Yeah, Would you yeah, they're all it's like archetypes. An print
0: exactly, they're all archetypes, yeah. and that's why we have all of them within us, you know. And um, mm. uh, astrology is a fascinating way to look at. It's just a it's a lens and a you know a, mm-hmm. a language really to describe people and their experiences. And so I love I love working on both sides of it, you know, working. Um, <gasps> And, and studying people and studying their habits and patterns and their, their their traumas and their coping mechanisms and then looking at it through an astrological lens because there's so much overlap. So, you know, I'm an HSP too, and I would describe that, you know, in that way. But I would also describe it differently within my chart. I can see where it, mm. why it is that, you know, in my birth chart. Mm. So it's it's fun to to do that. And whenever any and anytime anyone's going through something, I'm like, okay, we can talk about it in three different ways. <laughs> you know, yeah. so we can sort of describe this in many different ways through the astrological yes. lens or through an evolutionary lens or whatever it is. So, yeah. Mm. So fun.
1: I was, as you were talking through all of them, I was like thinking of all the people in my life, um, particularly the sun signs. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. It feels so True. And uh, it was just, it was really fun. So thank you for going you're on that journey with me. I feel like we just scratched the surface and we could <laughs> talk for hours and hours, but I can hardly believe we're at time. Um, so we're going to move into a couple of rapid fire questions. If you're Great. Ready. I'm ready.
0: What book do you gift people the most or mm-hmm. recommend? Well, I'm a Scorpio Rising. So depth is my jam. And I love Francis Weller. I don't know if you've heard of Francis Weller, but mm-hmm. he has a book called *The Wild Edge of Sorrow*. So I often give that to people who are navigating grief, and um, yeah, it's just one of my my favorite books because I think it's grief work is such a missing element in um, in our world. You know, understanding grief mm-hmm. and it's really at the root of so much of our our suffering and our experiences. You know, so I know it's kind of it's not like really a quote unquote fun one, but it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful book
1: hey (laughs) honey i'm a scorpio over here i'm I'm all for it i'm like love that
0: Yes. (laughs) yes uh if you could choose your last meal on earth what would it be oh my gosh it's so funny because I was just telling my boyfriend Matt last night. I'm like, I'm so bad at answering like quick questions. He loves to do this with me, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I need time. I need time. To take- so, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is pizza, gluten free pizza because I just love it so much, and it's just what so toppings? Oh, so yeah, that's good. Um, I love mushrooms. I just love wild mushrooms. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah.
1: Good mushroom pizza. Yes. Right. Uh, Most important thing for successful
0: relationships, in your opinion? Mm, Oh, my gosh. Um, Definitely. I mean, this sounds cliche, but communication, you know, I just honestly cliche
1: or is it just a classic?
0: Yeah, it is classic. But I mean, I could it would take me a lot longer to answer that fully. But I think if we can fully communicate from our heart and noticing when we're in, we're communicating from a wound or when we're communicating from our heart space or our higher self that maybe self-awareness. Yeah. Might Combo. Yeah. Too a two, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> two for one, honey. Yeah. Uh,
1: someone comes to you and they're feeling really down, but you can mm. only give them one piece of advice.
0: What do you say? Mm. Um, Creating space to feel what you're feeling, you know, Um, because I think so often we reach for things to distract us. And I I always say in the beginning of, you know, a a big healing journey or even a a threshold crossing or um, portal like that, we – the creation of space is one of the most important first steps because that creates space for us to, you know, sit with what's there you know, and open some of those doors that have been closed for a long time. So, yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: With you, with you on that. What is your
0: favorite thing that you own? Favorite thing that I own. Oh my gosh. Can I say my dog? Is that like, is that normal? Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, feel Honey, like I don't, you got the microphone. You can say whatever you want. I feel like he owns me. Um, and it, but it's like a
1: little sub dumb relationship. Like he,
0: it. Yeah, like he's, he's such a, he's such an angel and a guide. He's 12 now. So he's my longest relationship and my, totally my angel in life. So I feel like it's kind of a cop out, but I feel like him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Not a cop out. Many people say it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Ooh, I
0: love cats. I love cats. Mm-hmm. Anytime anyone does like a, a reading on me, they're like, Okay, you have well, number one, hawks. I love hawks, but I um I, I feel like like cats are just like big cats. Um, wild cats like mm-hmm. a bobcat or um, a panther or a lion or something. They're just so, they're fascinating to me. For sure. I also love cats. Have
1: you heard of Lyra? don't know if you're into extraterrestrial things. Yes.
0: Little tidbit for you.
1: Yeah. You know, Lyra? I do know Lyra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just picking up on those vibes. Were you? Um, Anyways. I always
0: get, (laughs) I'm definitely very Pleiadian, but I, um, I do feel Lyran in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Same um, homegirl. Yeah. Same. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Them. They're the protectors
1: it. of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. all of it. We're all everything. And who even knows what any of it means? But I know. You know, is it real? Is it not real? We don't know. Does it matter? Maybe. Um, alas, I digress. <laughs> if you
0: could have a superpower, what superpower would you have? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so fun. Um, wow. I feel like I have superpowers already. But. Um, Yes. Okay. What superpower do you have? Uh, That's a better no. question
1: everyone. A few people have said that I need, I need to change the question. What I is your it. superpower?
0: My superpower. I mean, I have x-ray vision for sure. So it makes me really good mm. at my work and what I do with people. Cause I can see to the root of things immediately. Um, mm. but it makes life overwhelming and overstimulating. And that <laughs> <I> was very, <laughs> so mm. yeah, but it's, yes. it, it is a superpower, I think, because when you can, Go through those maturational thresholds with it and learn how to harness it and have boundaries and all the things and and set up your life to embrace it. Um, it can it can certainly be a superpower. so, yeah yes yeah i feel like
1: hypersensitivity lends itself to psychic capacity um but yeah that's the challenge is the overwhelm i feel you sister (laughs) um if you had to choose a totally different profession um in an alternate universe so you can't choose what you already do Mm.
0: what would you do what would your career be oh my gosh i would love to be when i think about it i would love to be like a novel writer that lives on Mm. the coast somewhere in a tiny little like Victorian village and or like England or something maybe and just write novels and yeah just be cozy it sounds so great
1: yes that (laughs) sounds amazing I'm like hey there's still time I know know. I'm already
0: such an introvert I'm like oh gosh if I moved to a tiny little village in England I would really be isolated (laughs) Yeah, I
1: live on a top of a mountain at eight and a half thousand feet Me like it, we were joking the other day we were like walking and we actually used to live in the house up the street which is a weird coincidence for another time but we were like we've been walking on the street for around a year accumulatively and we've seen like two people total and we were joking that people who live up here live up here for a reason they're introverts and when you see people you like and then slow down so that you don't have to interact no. but it's out of like respect that it's like an interesting it's just there's interesting folks up here in the mountains so i feel you you, and also
0: highly recommend (laughs) um in boulder colorado amazing that's my boyfriend and i always like if we lived anywhere else besides topanga we'd probably live in boulder so i didn't know you lived in topanga we used to live in topanga
1: that's where we moved from come to Ah, boulder we're recruiting
0: i love it i'm (laughs) everyone listening boulder's great we're, feel, we're feeling, you know, maybe like maybe that transition is I, I love Topanga similarly, but LA's really yes. close and I can feel it all the time. And I'm just like, whew, I could use some more, um, some more trees, some of those that Alpine air for sure. <laughs>
1: So 10 out of 10 recommend wow. um, last one. I love how I can't do rapid fire questions. I'm like, this is tantric process oriented <laughs> questions. Um, <laughs> so the last one is if, if there was a universal answering machine that everyone on this planet, all planets, the Pleiades, Lyrids, everyone was going to hear today. What would you say and take your time? Cause we can edit out any pauses.
0: Mm. Wow. An answering machine you said. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: So you're, you're, you're like you're leaving a message and everyone's going to get it. Okay. All right.
0: I would say hello. You are important. You're loved. You are essential mm. in the evolution of this, this collective. And thank you for being here, for choosing this life. Um, what else? Anything else?
1: Damn, it's pretty powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. You are essential.
1: Yeah. I'm like, that's a <laughs> mantra I haven't. I'm like, that's lovely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. It, Wake it, up it, to that. Yeah, we're facing so many like existential um, mm. questions right now. And I think just knowing that you are essential, that each one of us is essential and has so much to give and to receive in this life is really important to know, you know? so i have everyone yeah.
1: listening let that all the way in thank you <laughs> yeah. so much sweet love no, appreciate time so where can all the people listening find you i'm sure they're going to yeah. be
0: clamoring to get involved <laughs> with your work oh you're so sweet thank you well i have my website aliafsadal.com and instagram is just at aliafsadal at well as well and um then I, I actually have a spell podcast. that for people? Yeah, that's a good idea. So it's A-L-I, Allie, and then O-F as in Frank, S-T-E-D-A-L. And um, mm. so it's just one word, no spaces or dots or anything like that. Um, and then I, I do have a podcast as well with one of my dear friends, um, and it's called The Aligned Podcast. So I'm always over there mm. doing energy reports and all the things, so <laughs> – Amazing. I'm going to get involved.
1: Yeah. Um, And everyone listening, you should too. Or watching. We're on YouTube now. Hi, guys. (laughs) Amazing. I love that. Thank you so much, sweet babe. Yeah. And um, looking
0: forward to more soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. That's
1: it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.